Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we're going to start out this morning with a little audience participation. So here's what I'd like you to do. Stretch out your arms a little bit. Don't hit the person next to you. Bring your hands together in such a way that you weave your fingers like this. Okay? Some of you know what's coming. You bring them together like this. And this is what we learned in Sunday school. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors. Look at all the people. Yeah, some of you remember that. Some of you had some. Now, there's another way you can do it. Put your hands together and bring them together this way. Bring them together. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door. Where's all the people? It must be summer. I just threw that one in there. We are in the middle of this series we're calling Multiply, and it's, it's actually based on a book by Francis Chan, and we've encouraged everybody to get a book um, and, and get one free. We're giving them out free. We are so, um, so focused on this and so immersed in this. We really want everybody to get a book, get in a community group, and go through this book together in your group. Um, but we're also asking you to buy a book, $5, buy a book, because as we learned in week one, Anybody who is a Christ follower is a disciple. Okay, there's no, there's no higher echelon in, in this. This is any, anyone who is a Christ follower is a disciple. But every disciple is to be a disciple maker. And that's what we learned about in week two. That we are to be learning and following, but we are also to be leading and bringing somebody else along. And so the whole idea is we are giving you this book. We are investing in you. But we want you to buy a book and invest in somebody else. And we asked you a couple of weeks ago to start praying for that one person that you would start sharing this with. And it might be a friend of yours who has dropped out of church, gave, given up on church. Maybe they still kind of like Jesus, but they're not so crazy about the church. Um, we want you to take them alongside, come alongside them and share this book with them and begin praying that God would use this book and use you in a way to help disciple somebody else. It might be somebody in your life that has no interest in God whatsoever, but it would open a conversation. If you would just ask him, take this book, let's, let's go through this together. Let's talk about this. You say you don't believe in God. Let's find out why. Let's have a conversation. So that's what this whole series is all about. Um, that every Christ follower is a disciple, and every disciple is a disciple maker, and it is our job to not only be following, but to be leading. And so today, we're going to look at this third element of it, which is called the church. And what role does the church as a whole play in all of this? Because one of the things I'm sure that comes up when, when you talk with people is, why do I need a church? That, maybe even you feel that way this morning in your part regularly, but you say, why do I need this? Why do I need the church? I mean, it's a relationship between me and God, and, and, and we get along fine, so why do I need the church? Well, because it's God's plan. Jesus said, I will build my church, that the church plays a role. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But the idea is this, that disciple making and discipleship happens in community. And the truth of the matter is, you are here to serve other people. We together as a community are here to help you grow and learn and, and progress and mature and disciple somebody else. But you also have a responsibility to the body of Christ as a whole. It happens best in community. And I don't say that because I'm a pastor and I, have, I need a job, okay? I say it because that is God's plan. 
Jesus said, I will build my church. And the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter um, emphasized that and echoed that very same idea. So if you want to turn, take your Bibles. We're going to look at two different passages together this morning. The first is in 1 Peter. Uh, it's towards the end of your Bible if you're not familiar with the Bible. And there's, we've got extras on the seats around you. Or, you know, if you've got an app for that, feel free to follow along. It's 1 Peter. We're going to look at chapter 2. It's Peter's first letter. He says this. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then we want to skip down to verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Maybe you want to flip back a few pages in your, book, uh, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul, the apostle, and he wrote this letter to a church in a city called Ephesus. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, he says, His intent, meaning God, God's intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to, able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing about what Peter is writing about, what Jesus talked about is there is power in the church that we are better together. That, that Christianity is not a one-man show. It is not a solo act. It is done in community. And there are some things that the church, when the body of Christ gathers together, when the church comes together, there are some things that happen that are far more powerful than what happens with just you alone. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Some of the things that make us better together. One of them is this, that the church provides the relationships that are necessary for growth. We need each other. Let me ask you, what comes to your mind when I say the word church? I mean, you're here and you know when everything like that. But, but if I just out of the blue said the word church, what comes to your mind? A building? A program? A Sunday morning event? An argument with your kids about why they have to go? <laughs> what comes to your mind? Because the bottom line is this. The church is the people. 
The church is the people. He says, once you were not a people, but now, now you are the people of God. Now, if we are not clear about this, we will lose focus on everything else. And we will, we will completely lose the idea of why we get together. And, and some of that has come through our culture over the years. The word church that is used in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek original language that it was written in is ekklesia. It's actually a compound word. The first part, ek, means out or out of, like exit, okay? That's where that comes from. Ek, and then the second part of the word is kaleo, which means to call. And so from the very beginning, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he said, he said I, will call, I, am, I am building my called out people. This is, this is my people who are called out from their old lives, called out to this new life in Christ, and called out to a life together. That it is my people that I am building. The church is the people. Now, what happened is over the years, as, as Christianity under Constantine became a little bit more legitimatized, because it was not, it was outlawed all through the Roman Empire, but at some point, Constantine, the emperor, became a Christian. And then all of a sudden, the church became the official religion. The Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And what happened is they started to build buildings because they never had buildings before. They'd met in homes. They'd met, you know, wherever they could find secret places to get together. Now they were established. So now they started building buildings and they built these basilicas. And, and then that became identifying the church was the building. And so then you get to, to a couple thousand years later and, and you get now that the, this this this. Bible is being translated into other languages, and it started in, in Germany. And, and when they came to that, that place where they took that word ecclesia, what they did was they put into it a German word, which is Kirche, which is where we get our word church. And Kirche meant house of the Lord, which is what Basilica had meant. And so in that translation, somehow something got miscommunicated and we started thinking about the church as being a building, the house of the Lord. But it was never Jesus' intent and it was certainly never Paul's or Peter's intent to promote this idea that the church is a building, the church is programs, the church is people. And the church provides the relationships that are necessary for your spiritual growth because it happens among people it happens in community you cannot be a disciple of jesus and be disconnected from a church family you just can't do it paul wrote i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the all the lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ how in the world do you get rooted and established in love the only way that happens it's in relationships. Oh, you can learn a lot about love. You can study it. You can read about it in a book. You can get all kinds of great information about love. But to become rooted and established in love, that takes relationships. Because you don't really know love until you're in a relationship. And, and Jesus said, this is my called out people. And, and Peter talked about it as living stones built together. And Paul talked about being rooted established together with all God's people. See, it's all about people. People are more important than programs. They are more important than property. They're more important than anything else in God's kingdom because God's kingdom, God's church is the people. Now, here's the problem with that. People are messy. People are messy. Either you were a mess 
or you are a mess, or you are one really dumb decision away from becoming a mess. <laughs> That's the truth of it. In fact, just turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're a mess. Now you get to turn back to that person and say, so are you. Because people are messy, which means the church can be messy. But when the church comes together with all of our combined mess, God does something with all of that. And in that mess, he begins to shape us and form us and build us and grow us. Together, we change. That's that whole idea of come, learn, go that we talked about. You are constantly going to be going through that process. Coming, learning, going. Coming, learning, going. That's why uh, the writer of Hebrews put it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. He says, let's consider Let's think about this. Let's get some, give some real serious thought to how we might be able to encourage each other on in Christ. See, that happens in the church. When we start thinking of ways, as, how can I encourage this person? How can I help this person? How can I help them deal with their mess and move them forward in the faith? He says, let's give some really serious thought to that. Let's find ways to keep moving each other forward. That's what this Multiply series is all about. Finding ways to help each other keep moving forward in the faith. And the church provides the relationships for that to happen. Second thing the church provides is environments. The church provides environments that will cultivate growth. Now anybody, anybody here who does any gardening or maybe you've got your own victory garden or whatever going on, you know that certain plants... Every plant takes certain conditions to grow. And some are different than others. I grew up in Daly City, about two or three miles from the, the Colma border. Anybody know where Colma is? What is Colma famous for? Cemeteries. 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 So that's pretty much what Colma is. Now, did you know that, by the way, did you know that Wyatt Earp is buried in Colma, California? Just a side note, just... No, no extra charge for that one. But the other thing, growing up, now it's changed a little bit now, but growing up in that area, not only were there a lot of cemeteries in Colma, but what also goes with cemeteries? Flowers. <laughs> and there were all kinds of nurseries all around the area where I was growing up. Um, Rod McClellan's Acres of Orchids. I remember driving down Mission Street, and there it was. And, and, and they're all greenhouses. Because if you know anything about Daly City... It is not exactly the right climate for growing orchids. (laughs) It's great for artichokes, but not so much for orchids. So they had greenhouses to provide the right amount of soil, the right temperature, the right amount of moisture, all of those things that are necessary, that environment. They created an environment to grow these flowers. And the church is kind of like that. We provide an environment for growth to be cultivated. Peter put it this way. He said, you are like living stones being built together in a spiritual, into a spiritual house. That the right conditions are found when we're together. We are kind of like a greenhouse. Where maturity and growth and life can take place. And he says, that's what this is. That's why it's so powerful when we get together on a Sunday morning. And we worship together. Because 
when we come together and we join our voices together and we praise God together, there's something that happens. And he talked, Jesus talked about when two or three are gathered together. Just There is something, there is a synergy that happens when, when God's people come together that is greater than the, than the total of, of its parts. That something happens in an environment like this. Now we have set up two primary environments here at Northgate. Sunday morning in our worship time and then in our community groups. There are two different environments. Now, we can't make people grow, okay? we, but what we can do is provide the right environments. And so what we have done is we have said on our Sunday morning, this is an environment of worship, and the focus is primarily upward towards God, and that our, our singing, our prayers, our, our, our teaching are all focused upward towards God. It's to help us connect with God. And that's what the Sunday morning is primarily all about. It is about um, engaging in God's word, engaging in, 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 his, in his presence with us. And, and we've designed it in such a way that you can invite friends who maybe don't know God yet, but they would feel comfortable here. And, and it wouldn't be so totally foreign to them that they wouldn't know when to stand up, when to sit down, you know, lean to the left, lean to the right, you know, all of that kind of thing. But it would just be a gathering of people. With, with a musical style that is comfortable. And with a teaching style that hopefully makes sense. And my big goal on a Sunday morning is just that someone would walk out of here saying, I know a little bit more about God. And I'm drawn to find out a little bit more again next week. And that's what our Sunday morning environment is all about. Now the second environment that we promote is our community groups. And our community groups are more outwardly focused. They are more uh, relationally this way. They're still centered around God's word. They're still focused on God. But the primary emphasis is on the relationships with one another. And that's the whole one another part of the New Testament that you find over and over and over again. And in our community groups, we take what we've been talking about on a Sunday morning and we kind of share amongst each other. What did you learn from that? What did you take from that? How are you putting that into your life? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? How can we support one another? How can we find ways to encourage one another forward? And so if you're not in a community group, you're missing out on a great, important environment for growth to happen. And that's why we keep trying to push people into community groups. Because in the community group, the idea is that you can learn and grow at your own pace. And that's the whole idea. And by the way, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. If you are here this morning, you are qualified for the discussion. Because <laughs> that's really what it's all about. Here's our ultimate goal in both of these. That in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We have tried to create environments where people can engage and learn and decide and move forward in faith. And the church can provide that. Again, it's an environment. We can't make people go through that. We can't make people grow. But we can provide environments where growth can take place. And the last one is that the church provides opportunities. The kinds of opportunities that activate growth. He said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. That 
phraseology, that, those terms go all the way back to the nation of Israel. They go all the way back actually to Abraham. When God called Abraham and said, I want you to go to a place you've never been before and it's going to be an inheritance for you because I'm going to make of you a great nation and you are going to be priests and kings and you have a mission and their mission was not to be blessed although God said, I will bless you but he said, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the other nations. He gave them an assignment. He gave Abraham an assignment. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. But through you, I'm going to make that known. Make my love, my grace, my mercy, my blessings known to all the world. And they made the mistake which churches often still make to this day. Which Christians often make still to this day. We think it's about God bless me. God bless me. Now that I'm a follower, God bless me. And he says, no, I gave you a mission. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And that's one of the things that the church can do. As a body together, we can provide the opportunities that will activate that kind of growth, that we stay on mission. God has been doing some incredible things in our body. And we have, we have experienced such incredibly... 13 people last Sunday got baptized, taking that public declaration and saying, I'm moving forward in my faith. I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus from here on out. That's a powerful thing. We've experienced so many powerful things. You know what my greatest fear is? Is that we would become so comfortable and so used to what God is doing that we kind of get into this place where it's like, okay, we'll take it from here, God. We got this down now. Look at all the good stuff that's happening. We're just going to sit here and we're just going to take it all in. He said, no, 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 no. I'm blessing you. I'm working among you so that you can be a work in this world. And the church provides those kinds of opportunities. There are some things that are done better in groups that just cannot be done individually alone. Do you know why the San Francisco Giants have been the world champions two years out of the last three? They really don't have a whole lot of stars. They once had a lot of stars. They once had a really big star. They made it to the World Series, but they didn't win it. In the last three years, they put together a team. There's no real superstars. We've got some, there's some good pitchers. There's some good hitters. There's some really talented ball players. Don't get me wrong. But what makes that team a championship team is there a team? And each one knows their role. Yes. Amen. <laughs> but it's the truth. I mean, yeah, there, there's, some outstanding, there's some outstanding talent on that. But what makes that team work is that there is a team. And they're not winning with the long ball very often. Although, last night, thank God, they did. <laughs> but they're winning what they call playing small ball. Small ball is when you work as a team and you do the little things right. You put the ball in play. You get that clutch hit. You get that runner move to second. You get him move to third. You get him home. It's a whole different ball game. But it's why they're so successful. Something happens when a group of people come together and decide to do something. And everybody plays a part in it. And I just wrote a few of these things down. Together, we accomplish more than individually. When we serve together, he says, you, you declare the praises of him. When we serve together, we declare God's mercy. 
Now we have people, we have a group of, of, of adults here who every Thursday morning, and have been doing this for probably the last seven or eight years, every Thursday morning, they provide breakfast for the continuation high school students at Liberty High School here in Benicia. They do it behind the scenes. Not a lot of fanfare. But at every one of the graduations of Liberty High School, and their graduations are a little bit different than Benicia High, every one of them, there's at least one kid who stands up and says, I graduated because I knew I'd get breakfast on Thursday morning. That what got me to school. <laughs> they are making a difference. We have a group of people, again, with not a lot of fanfare, who the third Sunday night of every month serve needy and homeless people in cooperation with First Baptist in Vallejo. Small group of people. But, see, when we serve together, we declare God's mercy. When we help people together, we declare His kindness. Our dollar club, that's what part of that's all about. That we are just showing the love and kindness of God to people in need. And, and, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't give out $600 every week. Not in my budget. But together, $1 a piece does so much more. And it declares the kindness of God. When we engage in our community, we share his goodness and his joy. And that's what our trunk or treat is all about. In our, in our 4th of July in the park, serving people. And just, you know, all of those kinds of things that we do together as a church. What it does is it, ce- it celebrates and it declares the kindness and the goodness and, 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 the, and the joy of God. When we do those things together, that's what we're declaring. When we rally together like we did last weekend with our walk for water, we declared the compassion of God to be able to drill four wells in Uganda and provide water, safe, clean drinking water for people who don't have it. And it will change and it will save thousands of lives. We can do that together. But not one of us could do it by ourselves. And when we mission together, like we took a group to Uganda last summer. We declare the gospel of Christ in a powerful way. See, that's why you need the church. Because you don't get those kinds of relationships. You don't get those kinds of environments. And you don't get those kinds of opportunities unless we do it together. And it's been our goal as a church that we would be exactly what Paul writes about declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We can provide the opportunities, we can provide the relationships, we can provide the environments, but really what it comes down to is you. This is what we together can provide. But every one of us have to make that step for ourselves. Every one of us has to decide to not only take a book, but to buy a book, to not only to learn, but to lead. The church can help you in that, but you've got to make that choice too. And so here's my, here's my call to us this morning. Let's keep trying stuff. (laughs) Let's keep taking risks. Let's keep praying for boldness. Let's keep finding ways to encourage one another on as we follow Christ together. And that we would do that together because now it's our turn. And if we will do it, this is how Paul ends it. Him To him who is do, able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. We are this generation's responsibility. It's up to us. It's our turn. Would you bow your heads with me?
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. 